Hey, everybody, welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing and all of our other podcasts over at blisterreview.com. This week, Luke Kappa and I sat down in our Blister headquarters, which is located in Elevation Hotel, which is right next to the chairlifts here in Mount Crested Butte, to answer some of the questions that you submitted. And along the way, we discuss our preferred gear for skiing in funky spring and summer snow. We talk about what we're reading. We talk about ski knickers and mountain bike shoes and ski boot liners and durability and more. And so let's just go ahead and get right to it. Well, Luke Kappa, it's you. Yep, we're back. <laughs> we are back. Um, here in Blister Headquarters in Elevation Hotel, and it is time for another edition of Listener Questions and Our Answers, sometimes known as a mailbag, but young Luke was unfamiliar with the term, like, mailbag? No. I'd heard, like, voicemail episode. Voicemail episode? Yeah, because for some reason that's what, like, podcasts first started calling it. Like, people would call in, leave voicemails, and then answer like that. I don't know. You're the only person I know who says mailbag. Okay. But that's our work here today. And, uh, yeah, like we had said a while ago, we're going to probably start doing episodes like this uh, at least once a month. And we might even start uh, allowing some other Blister folks to crash our Q&A party. But for now, dear listeners, you just get Luke and me. A lot going on in the world these days. Mm-hmm. Turns out, because global pandemics, I guess that chapter was getting played out, even though it seems like things are flaring up again in a lot of portions of the world. A lot of protests, a lot of people trying to figure out what to do right now um, and how to do things better. And I think we're seeing some important policy changes happening in like very real time. And we're seeing a lot of new organizations kind of coming up and it's, it's a hell of a time. Mm-hmm. And, um, frankly, it's, I think I just said this, uh, in a podcast conversation that went up this Tuesday, kind of, um, it kind of really does feel like the worst of times in a lot of ways. And honestly, in other ways, kind of the best of times. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I know we've said some things on Blister about this. Uh, you and I have been having multiple conversations a day about how best to uh, navigate these times. Um, and we're just having a ton of conversations um, with a lot of different folks. Um, and I kind of get the sense that's what a whole lot of folks are up to uh, just in general. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. 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 I agree that I feel like, especially at this point, um, now that we are seeing some changes, there is that tiny little silver lining, at least from my perspective. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely get why people are like, 
hating on the year 2020. It's been, I'm just, I've just been picturing what like grade schoolers are going to be reading about in their history books when they're learning about the year. But at least in my lifetime, I feel like especially the past few weeks are one of the rare opportunities where I thought things were actually, actually had the chance to seriously change for the better. Um, I tend to be a fairly pessimistic person in that regard, but this, I mean, granted, uh, it came at a very serious cost that has been happening for years and years and years and years and years, but, um, trying to stay optimistic a little bit because I feel like it's pretty easy to just go into despair and just not do anything, um, especially when there's also a global pandemic going on. Yeah. Well, yeah, we hope everyone is doing a lot of thinking and taking action and being self-reflective. And um, it's an important moment for many of us to be just doing better. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think where my skepticism tends to come in is we're a very trendy society. Mm-hmm. And so there's the right now, and then there's three months from now and six months from now and 10 years from now. And that is the part that I would love to be optimistic that this sort of is just a start mm-hmm. and um, it's heavy. There's a lot of heavy um, and a lot of people are feeling that we should be feeling that. Mm-hmm. So here's to trying to improve uh, upon yesterday, you know? Mm-hmm. So we'll have some more things to say about this for sure going forward, you know, but we're also going to just take a pretty broad range of questions today that have come in from our listeners and readers. And so let's do some of that. Okay. How do you want to kick us off? Edward Keefe had submitted a couple. Um, One recent one that I I feel like you've kind of referenced in the past. Um, He asked, if you could only choose one of the following options for consuming food forever and always, would it be A, the current way or B photosynthesis, <laughs> which I have a really hard time pronouncing. Um, and he was of the opinion that he would take the latter um, because it'd be really efficient. And he also mentioned we can socialize over beer or coffee. Um, so I don't know if like drinking was a, a exception to this, um, yeah. but what's your take, Jonathan? It's a great question. The efficiency side of me definitely could get down with the photosynthesis option. But I think, frankly, like I feel like I've been running on a wild efficiency for some number of decades now. And so my current eating practices, uh, it's already about as efficient as it could possibly be. So I think I'm not that tempted to, um, to try to like dial up that efficiency. If anything, I'd like to make certain moves in my life to like, I don't know, create some more space for things like 
ever cooking with a pot or mm-hmm. a pan, right? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I can definitely, I could definitely get down with photosynthesis, but right now I'm not sure I'm I'm in the mood to to choose an even more radical efficiency. Yeah, I think the main question would be, like, am I the only other person in the world who is, like, not eating food to survive? Because if that's true, like, a large portion of socializing tends to revolve around food. Um, And even though it's, like, it's not everything, but it would be kind of weird. But if I can still, like grab a drink, whether that's coffee or beer, if that's allowed, like a caveat, um, I'd be a little more prone, but, um, I tend to use food as like an escape and often a procrastination technique. Um, and if I like swapped that with going out and sitting in the sun for a little bit might be better for my mental health or something. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Let's put it this way. If if someone said you no longer get to eat food, you just get your nutrition through photosynthesis, but you can still have like coffee and beer and whiskey, I wouldn't be like heartbroken. Mm-hmm. Like I love food and it's great. I just but like I could I could be on that program just fine. I'm not sure I would select that program yeah i also just tend to eat my food really really fast and so it's like all the enjoyment of eating it is over <laughs> like that so i don't know it's an interesting question though um i think we've mostly just outed ourselves yet again as being kind of weird i think we should mostly just kind of move on quickly a reader on the site steve had asked this one a little while ago actually um after our last uh, listener question episode But basically, he was asking about brands that make a knicker, like a knickerbocker length zip-off spring ski touring pant. Um, (laughs) He noted that it combines two fashion icons, the zip-off pants and knickerbockers. Um, But I get what he's getting at. Um, He noted the kind of three-quarter cut length would be good for staying cool while climbing up really hot spring lines, which I'm very familiar with. But then you'd have the bottom part uh, that you could zip off or zip on for uh, protecting from like falling on corn, which tends to hurt if you slide for a while or sunburn or bushwhacking on the exit, which I'm also very familiar with. Um, Steve, the good news is, well, good news and bad bad news, bad news not many people make them. The good news is there's one company, Amundsen, that basically specializes in them. Um, they make a variety of knickerbockers, uh, many from more traditional like wax cotton fabrics, but also one that uses the same Scholler Sea Change soft shell fabric um, of their Peak Anorak that I reviewed on our site. Um, I haven't used the Knickerbocker version, but they sell a bunch of different options there and they sell a bunch of different gator options. Um, so it's not exactly like a zip off pant, but basically functions the same. So those might be worth, worth checking out. Unfortunately, I don't know of a whole bunch of other companies that do that. Um, but could be a good opportunity to mess with a sewing machine and 
cut the legs off your soft shell pants and try that out. I don't know. Mostly this question has me thinking about the fact that the New York basketball team that's in the National Basketball Association is called the New York Knickerbockers. And I, for the first time in my life, am like, why are they the Knickerbockers? Are they named after almost pants? I didn't know Knicks was short for Knickerbockers. It is. <laughs> huh. So this is probably the sort of thing we could just Google real quick. Yeah, yeah. But um, Everyone who's listening is just yelling out the reason they already know. But good. People at home, get your phone out. Google why is New York named the Knickerbockers. I kind of suspect it'd be a disappointing answer. Like the Knicks. Yeah. Disappointing in the way that the Knicks are, so it all makes sense. Okay, what do we got next? From Full Zip Anorak, uh, how many ski days should a liner generally last? Um, He he noted and addressed that, like, it's going to depend on, like, the liner itself, your skiing style, where you ski, stuff like that. And then he also asked as a follow-up question, is it bad like if if say you work on the mountain, is it bad to just keep walking around in your ski boots and ski liners? Like, is that going to have a detrimental effect on the liner quality? Um, hmm. What's your general take? Um, I mean, I think there are a ton of variables. I think first of all, people who are running their ski boots bigger where there kind of is more room for play. Like I, I mean, I tend to run a pretty tight ski boot. And in that way, if you're already, or I mean, if I'm starting with a thinner liner, I can generally do okay longer. I kind of feel like with a bigger shell, if there's more room, as you start packing that liner out, it's going to become more of a problem faster. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, having tested a bunch of different boots for 10 years now, I mean, I definitely noticed that some stock liners are packing out in 30 to 40 days. And, you know, definitely a thing that I, we've talked about this and I'd like to reiterate it. I think there are a ton of people who, when they say like, I need new ski boots, what they actually need is a new liner. Mm-hmm. And I I want people to be maybe more aware of that than they maybe than some are. That your shell, in many cases, if it fits correctly, your shell's probably fine. Like shells can go a while mm-hmm. in my experience. I mean, unless we're talking about super lightweight AT boots that are just getting chewed up hard. Mm-hmm. Shells are probably fine. And so before you just get rid of your ski boot, think about going to an aftermarket liner. So 30 to 40 days has been kind of, I'd, I'd say, my life's, like worst experience with a stock liner. Zip fits are definitely, for me, the liner that's been on the other end of that spectrum. I think zip fit, when I was talking to Sven Coomer, I think he himself said 1,500 days is not unreasonable to get out of a zip fit. You do have to like refill the cork. Yeah, though, but right? like it's like inject inject some cork. Like mm-hmm. I've been 
I've been using the same ZipFit liners or had, I mean, I cycle through and test different liners, but my ZipFits are in perfect shape Mm -hmm. and I've had them for some years now. And so, yeah, if you just need to inject a little more cork, um, but like if, I don't know, that, that to me, if there, if there is a more durable liner than that, I have not personally used it. Taking it, and that's a huge range. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of it comes down to like, what is your shelf fit like? Um, and uh, to the question about walking around in liners a lot, or if you're working on the mountain, um, to be honest, I haven't thought that much about that. I can see how that would, could affect a liner, but I can't say like definitively like, oh yeah, you should definitely like go out of your way to like not be walking around in your ski boots. Like, I don't know how realistic that is. And yeah, yeah. I guess like if I was working five, five days a week and like close to 40 hours on the mountain, I would probably like if you need ski boots, maybe have like a work boot and a, yeah. a, a actual ski boot. But I don't like, especially if it's a boot with a walk mode, I feel like that would, yeah, that would probably, I mean, it's not going to, it's not going to help, but I don't, I don't have a good idea of, I should ask some of my patroller friends about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's also varied a lot between boots. Um, the Nordica Strider, I the Strider 120, I had, I think I had put, I basically started noticing that it was feeling packed out right around the, either the end of the 2019 season or the beginning of the 2020 season, but that was well over a hundred days in the boot. And I do, I definitely have, tend to have a bigger shelf it than you, um, because I, yeah. cause God hates you. Yeah. Cause it, that that's the only way it can work for me so far. Um, but yeah, I feel like, like most high quality boots should, I would expect them to last at least between 50 and a hundred days. But yeah, there is, there is so much variation there and, and that's a really thing, tough thing to test. Um, cause there's so many boots out there to test at least on our end. And, and the other factor too, is like, again, depending on, you know, how pronounced certain ankle bones are and, and the like, it's like when a liner that was feeling good and working for you starts to like not feel good, it's like, well, before you just ditch the liner, sometimes pads can be placed. And so like, yeah, a ton of variables on this. And I'm, I'm not, I think we can't really come down to say, you should be able to get X number of days out of a... Yeah, and like the bottom line is like if if it starts to feel like it's packed out, like you got to replace it. Like it, I I mean, you can get... If it, if it like disintegrated in 10 days, then I'd be like, I should warranty this, but um, it's kind of... It just happens. Um, and the good news is you can always just get more liners from Derek Sakamoto uh, wondering what you Jonathan are reading I would love his reviews on hot nonfiction books where he rants about how whatever book is not a new idea and cites whatever philosopher said the same thing a hundred years ago <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Well, to that question, I mean, I, I maybe don't spend as much time reading every hot nonfiction book that comes out maybe because of, for some reasons of what, um, Derek just said, like very rarely does somebody say something that hasn't been said many hundreds and sometimes many thousands of years ago. Mm -hmm. But that said, um, I'm not like against new books coming out. I mean, um, this is one of the interesting things, right? Is it like, um, a book that really grabs me that was written yesterday or written 2000 years ago just might not catch somebody else in the same way. And I think that's why we hopefully, you know, that's why books should continue to be written. Ideas should come from new voices, new authors, be reprocessed and the rest. So I'm not, I don't think I'm against, I mean, I'm against like dumb books, um, not against ridiculous books. Those two very different things. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous is different from dumb, right? Um, so if it's funny and ridiculous, that's great. If it's just kind of dumb, um, probably doesn't need to exist. But I think if where it would only be bad is if the author's not acknowledging or is just oblivious to the fact that like, yo, 30 other authors said this better than this. And, you know, so that's kind of my take on that. In terms of what I'm reading right now, I mean, it recently went through The Abstract Wild. We did a podcast with Jeff McFedridge about that book. That was something else. And, you know, in the last couple of weeks, uh, I am finally now reading How to Be an Anti-Racist. The thing I'll say about that book is the introduction, kind of the first chapter, but it's called The Introduction, um, was outstanding. And I'm now coming up to be about halfway through the book. But, um, you know, uh, honestly came in, wasn't really sure, like how much am I going to really learn from this? And I think the kind of what's being laid out in that first chapter is brilliant and is definitely worth the price of the book. I can't speak to the whole book yet. Remarkable. And uh, have really been appreciating that. Um, and that's by Ibram X. Kendi? Yep. Okay. Yep. And uh, super interesting guy. Yeah, uh, been very grateful uh, to be going through that. And then honestly, um, I've actually been reading a bunch of Malcolm X. It's been amazing. I'm way late to the game on this. I am shocked that I'm really for the first time reading his own stuff, not reading about him, reading his own stuff. Yeah, there's been a whole new appreciation for his life um, and, you know, and perhaps especially I'll say where where he ended up. And I, I'm kind of shocked and embarrassed that I for whatever reason, didn't get around to doing this years and years ago. So honestly, that's kind of the answer mm -hmm. for now. You? What are you reading? Uh, Do you read? Not really. You just TikTok? No, I have never and don't think I ever Snapchat? will have a TikTok. 
Not just really. snapping with all your friends and TikToking. No, I'm a millennial. We don't get that stuff. Who's that's, doing? That's beyond us. <laughs> what's younger than millennials? Uh, I think it's Gen Z. I don't know. They, I mean, all the TikToks end up on Instagram, anyways. Um, but I've also been spending less and less time on that as well. Uh, I don't think I've read anything. Well, I, I haven't read any long form literature in a embarrassingly long time. But that's another topic. Another topic. <laughs> uh, next question is uh, one that we and some of my friends have gotten many times over the past few years in terms of like what is the best type of ski for the very 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 niche category of like just end of summer skiing where it's not really skiing you're skiing basically snow that's been warmed up by the sun so much that it forms these deep sun cups and runnels and is about as inconsistent in terms of texture as it gets. Ideally, the top inch or so is soft, and you can kind of like shave it off um, like a block of cheese or something, but uh, not your typical conditions. And a lot of the times, like in the Northern Hemisphere, by the time you hit August and September, uh, you're it, it basically just get worse and worse and worse. And, um, I've debated this with our reviewer, Drew Kelly a lot, cause he's into the ski every month thing too. And we've come up, we have, we've never been able to decide on a exact like formula. First off, it depends on what kind of skier you are. Um, second, it depends like a lot of these late summer skiing days are like 10 miles round trip. 9.9 miles of which the skis are on your back and you're hiking in hiking boots. Um, in which case some people are like, I want a super light setup to make that hike a lot easier, which I have definitely appreciated at times. And then others are like, I don't care. Like I'm not skinning on it. Like I I'll take a heavy ski with an Alpine binding. Cause it'll make this awful snow a little bit better. Personally, I'm in the camp, like if, if it's the typical long approach, spending most of the time with the skis on your back, um, I'll typically just go with a pretty lightweight ski. For me, that's like 1,400 to 1,800 grams, um, if it's a good 1,400 gram that's ski. That's a big range. Yeah, um, because it also depends on like what I'm reviewing, but um but if it's something like in Colorado, like St. Mary's Glacier, where it's like, I want to say like two or three miles round trip, I'll take what like my favorite alpine ski with alpine bindings because it doesn't really matter that much. The thing with summer skiing, though, I feel like more than most conditions we talk about in our regular ski reviews is that no matter what ski you're on, it's not going to be, it's not going to feel amazing. Like it's just, it's mostly survival. Um the main thing that I've debated is the, is the proper width for skiing deep sun cups and runnels. <laughs> um, if you go too narrow, the skis get like caught in them and you can't turn. And then if you go too wide, it's just like, it, it's harder to lamb over on edge. And basically the technique, I think the most easy, the easiest technique for that is just keeping your skis 
perpendicular to the fall line as much as possible because you just want to slide over the top of everything and not get hooked into it and go downhill really fast. Um, I know some people that like only ski on 120 millimeter underfoot skis for that stuff. But anyways, I think like 100 to 110 millimeters is pretty ideal with that. And I want like a good bit of rocker and, um, ideally a not super stiff flex pattern because if you think you have good technique you should try and do like a a very low angle run out where you need to try and keep as much speed as you can because you don't want to hike out um but the snow is the worst snow you've ever skied um and try and ski that with good technique um so yeah, there's a lot of variables that go into it. This is the longest answer. Yeah, it's a really long answer for a topic that about point oh 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 one well, percent of the you didn't even population. Name, I have my answer would have been two words. What's your what are you coming with? So of all this big explanation, name a name a ski. Eh, probably like line vision one oh eight, maybe. You'd go vision one oh eight. If I was doing the long hike. Okay. Yeah, I I just I'd probably just stick with my Raven forefront Raven and call it good. But I wouldn't mind a Renegade, like the wider. Uh-huh. But the problem is the like I didn't mention that earlier, but like the dates where you're early and it's still bulletproof frozen, then I would not want to be on a Raven. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I think wow. I I'm thinking about doing I interpreted it more as a question of like the ski attributes that you look for. Um, but anyways, I think I might do a, a longer article for the few people who care about <laughs> summer skiing gear stuff. Jesus. Okay. As is my answer to most questions about funky snow. Well, you threw in the bulletproof, but outside of bulletproof, heavy and fully rockered. Um. When we're talking about funky conditions, whether it's like, Cream cheese, like Sierra cement, whether it's sun cups, like heavy, fully rockered. I don't know. It's not the same as skiing cream cheese. Like I'm talking like I'm talking like cake batter. Yeah, but no, like sun cups where. Well, I know it's not the same snow, but I'm saying I think I would take weight and fully rockered. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think right. you need to think more about your answer. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm going to write an article on it. Okay. Enough of this ski talk. Luke, talk to us about a piece of non-ski gear that we should have you enlighten us about. Um, so I don't know if I'd call what I'll say enlightenment <laughs> by any means. Um, I'm still fairly new to mountain biking, but uh, I spent a lot of last year and the vast majority of the mountain bike season this year well i'm still on flat pedals and we'll be doing a flat pedal shoe comparison article in the near future but for the past few weeks people have been all the people i've been riding with have been making fun of me because i've been wearing two different shoes um i've been using the 510 sleuth deluxe uh which has 510s stealth phantom rubber which as far as i know is just the colored version of their s1 rubber i believe and then the ride concepts power line which uses their uh dst 4.0 max grip rubber basically 
Brad Concepts is still a relative newcomer to the game. 510 is still known for having super, super sticky rubber, and it still is. Um, but Ride Concepts makes some pretty bold claims about their their rubber outsoles. And last fall, when I was riding with David Golay when he was in Crested Butte, I had been mostly using the Ride Concepts shoe in the fall when it was pretty chilly and was not loving its grip compared to uh, Stealth Rubber. Like, it was noticeably not as good. But the interesting thing was now that it's getting to be riding in, like, 60 to 75 degree temperatures i've had one shoe on one foot one shoe on the other and it's been pretty difficult to tell the difference um and the crazy thing to me is like 510 still has like like they've been the leader in the rubber game on mountain bike flat shoes forever and it's proven for other companies very challenging to make grippier soles than them or as grippy even um, so the good news is I think Ride Concepts is very promising. This is the Powerline sole is supposedly their grippiest sole, whereas 510 has an even grippier, the MI6 rubber is even grippier than the Phantom reportedly. But um, I've, hon- like, I've honestly been getting frustrated because it's so challenging to tell the difference. Um, but the next thing I ne- need to do is switch which shoes are on which feet um, <laughs> and see if I can figure out anything there. But the good news is like, like the, the power line shoe itself, I'm a big fan of. Um, it's a, it's like a mid height shoe, which tend have tended to be really overbuilt and super heavy. And it's very much not that. Um, and it's just, it's been very comfortable. It, it, I haven't weighed them yet, but I'm almost positive the power line weighs less than the sleuth, which is a low cut. Um, and it, yeah, I've, I've liked it so far and we'll have a few other options to add in that upcoming review. Okay. So next question, what do we got here? Um, this one, I've just been getting a lot of questions from members over, especially the past few months, basically a bunch of general questions about climbing skins, whether they're for beginners or experts or specific terrain. And I'll just say that Paul forward has been working on a very, big climbing skin 101 article where he goes over the basic concepts and then we'll be comparing a number of the specific skins we've been using over the past several years so keep an eye out for that in the coming week or two nice okay well i think that may wrap up our questions for now but now we're going to introduce a new recurring segment on gear 30s And I am just calling this Celebrate Something because it strikes me that, as we said at the top, there is a lot of heavy stuff going on right now and a lot of really important stuff. But um, I think that it probably is a good thing if each week we're stopping for a minute, taking a second to highlight one or two things that, well, are worth celebrating. So... um, I'll go first. This week, I'm going to be raising a glass of Whistlepig Farmstock Rye, which is much better looking than the PBR can Luke is currently holding. That's that's Um, debatable. This this Farmstock Rye is delicious. And so uh, I will be raising a glass and celebrating the second half of the year 2020. 
So um, this is a something like a, I don't know, an expression of hope. But, uh, you know, I think we actually have a shot of best case, we emerge from 2020 in a better position than we kind of came into 2020 in. And so we all have a lot of work to do on that front. And, um, but, you know, uh, this is my hopeful note. And so I'm going to raise a glass in advance to the second half of 2020. Luke, what are you celebrating? Uh, apparently I've been having a harder time celebrating big picture things. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Because the main, the thing I thought of instantly was, uh, so Elevation has a in-house restaurant called 9380. Yeah. And they recently revised their menu. Oh, really? Yeah. And <laughs> I, my roommate uh, the other day came back home and must have spent an hour talking about their new fried chicken sandwich. <laughs> uh, and I finally got to try it the other day. And it is probably like, n- no joke, like the best chicken sandwich I may have had in Colorado. Wow. Like, yeah. And, and he's from Memphis and is a huge Chick-fil-A fan. And he, I, I think he stated that he likes it better than that. Wow. Yeah. It it was, it was nice, especially because like I've been limiting trips to the grocery store and eating like a bagel or mac and cheese from a box just about every day um so that was that was nice but wait elevation is still making my favorite food in the world right it's not on the menu right now no but i think they're expanding it later in the summer i think they're they're this is kind of like their testing period well we got to make sure for this coming year that miners gold aka cheese curds are still on the menu because yeah that would be a bummer yeah but that, yeah, the chicken sandwich is really good. <laughs> All right. Um, that's where my life's at. That's yeah, okay. yeah, that's okay. Working breaks, that would be something I can't currently celebrate for myself because uh, mine are currently being warranted, and so I'm not riding right now. Yeah, mine works so well. They threw me over the front yesterday. Your brakes threw you over or you threw that you over? definitely the brakes fault. <laughs> Were you using your front brake too much? Uh, no, I was just going too slow in general oh. down a steep section that you shouldn't take slow. Okay. Um, I do have one more thing in our to wrap up our Celebrate Something uh, segment. Uh, Luke Kappa, I think I have this right, that it is your birthday next week. Uh, at some point. <laughs> it's your birthday next week, right? Yeah. So to wrap up our Celebrate Something segment, I raised my glass of Whistle Pig Farm Stock Rye to you. Thanks. <laughs> um, I think that concludes this edition of Listener Mailbag slash Listener Q&A. And yeah, other than that, we will definitely be keeping up with our publishing every day on the website and we are firing up a lot of really good podcast conversations uh, on our blister podcast channel and on off the couch and we took a little break from our bikes and big ideas but we'll be firing that back up and um and here on gear 30 as well so 
Um, thanks for the questions and we will talk to you all again real soon. Well, that's it for this edition of Gear 30. Thanks to those of you who submitted questions. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And thanks to all of you for listening. Now, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will see you back here on Gear 30 next week.